So, Psalm 72. Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. May he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. May the mountains bring prosperity to the people, the hills the fruit of righteousness. May he defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. May he crush the oppressor. May he endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon through all generations. May he be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and prosperity abound till the moon is no more. May he rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May the desert tribes bow before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Seba present him gifts. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold from Sheba be given him. May people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. May grain abound throughout the land. On the tops of the hills may it sway. May the crops flourish like Lebanon and thrive like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. Then all nations will be blessed through him, and they will call him blessed. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvellous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. This concludes the prayers of David, son of Jesse. Hi, everyone. Great to be with you. If we haven't met, my name's Mike. I'm part of the wider St. Matt staff team. It's really, really great to be with you here. Uh, I'm not much of an art lover, but a few years ago I saw a drawing by a modern Polish artist. Uh, And you know, if you see a piece of art, and for some reason it actually just sticks in your mind, and so for years and years you just keep recalling this piece of art. Well, that's what happened for me with this uh, drawing. I've got a picture of it for you on screen. There you go, that's it. Uh, It's got a group of people who are clearly unhappy about their political leader. And in a display of people power, they're overthrowing him. They've put ropes around his statue and they're pulling the statue down to the ground. Unfortunately for them, his statue is one of four statues, all connected to a kind of central pivot. So the whole thing rotates like a wheel. So as the people pull the first statue down to the ground, the whole arrangement spins and another statue just kind of rotates up out of the ground to replace it. And there it will stand over the people, just like the last one. The people are back to the same place they were. And if people pull that statue down to the ground, there's another statue beneath the ground that's just going to rotate up again and replace the second statue. And over it goes, on and on it goes. The artist called that drawing the loop. It kind of captures the artist's despair that people are caught in this never-ending loop, being subjected to one bad ruler after another, and there's nothing they can do about it. The loop doesn't end. What do you reckon it would actually take to end the loop 
for that artist? What kind of leader do you think actually needs to be raised up to ensure that injustices are corrected, the poor and needy are looked after, the weak are protected, evil is finally brought to justice, the economy blossoms, the environment is protected? Like if you could shape the next leader, what would you shape into them? What would you ask for? What character traits, what qualities do you think would be needed to end the loop? Well, Psalm 72 is King David's answer to that question. Psalm 72, it's like King David's wish list for the next leader that is about to lead Israel. This is King David praying. Just look at the last verse, verse 20. This concludes the prayers of David. So David is the king of Israel. This is him praying. What's he praying about? Well, have a look at the title of the psalm. The title is Of Solomon or for Solomon, or about Solomon. So this is King David praying for Solomon, his son. Uh, Now, it it seems like David is kind of close to the end of his life. Verse 20, this concludes the prayers of David. Uh, His life seems to be towards the end. His rule over Israel uh, is ending, and his son Solomon is about to take the throne. If you want to think of it in terms of that picture at the start, the wheel is about to spin. David's statue, David's rule, is about to be dragged down to the ground by death and Solomon's statue, Solomon's rule, is about to rise. And Psalm 72 is David's prayer for Solomon's rule. As Solomon is about to come to power in Israel... Did you notice what the first and most important thing David prays for Solomon? What would you pray? Well, the first thing David prays for the new king Solomon is that he would rule with God's perfect justice and righteousness. Now look at verse 1. Verse 1, Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. So the first thing that David prays for Solomon as he becomes king is that he would have justice, is that he would have righteousness just like God. That he would rule with God's justice and righteousness. Well, what does that actually look like, do you think? What would it look like for a king to rule with justice and righteousness? Well, have a look at the next verse. Verse 2. May he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones, with justice. Look down at verse 4. May he, that's the king, defend the afflicted amongst the people and save the children of the needy. May he crush the oppressor. It's starting to build up a picture that ruling with justice and righteousness looks like defending the poor and needy, bringing evil and oppression to an end. Look at verse 12 to 14. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, verse 12, the afflicted who have no one to help. He'll take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. Ruling with perfect justice and righteousness, it looks like defending the weak, the poor, the needy, crushing the oppressor and evil. And our world has seen what happens when leaders don't rule like that. Our media is is just completely full of stories from around the world that show the terrible impact on people when leaders fail to govern with perfect justice and righteousness. And when that happens, people always get hurt. 
Just think of some of the stuff that's going on around the world right now in places like Syria. People always get hurt when leaders don't rule with perfect justice and righteousness. And King David, oh boy, does King David know that, because he's actually seen it play out in his own life. And King David, he was one of Israel's best kings, described as a man after God's own heart. But there were times when even David failed to lead with God's perfect justice and righteousness. And when he failed to lead with perfect justice and righteousness, people got hurt. People like a man named Uriah. At David's lowest point, you'd probably remember that David committed adultery with Uriah's wife. She was called Bathsheba. And then he used his power as king to cover it up. Do you remember how he covered it up or tried to cover it up? By having Uriah killed. And then he took his wife home for himself. And when David finally realised the awful nature of what he had done, he was completely overcome with guilt by the way he had treated those who were less powerful than him. Now, he, was, he really was a great king. Uh, but there were occasional places where he failed to rule with God's perfect justice and righteousness and people always got hurt. Uh, I know this uh, as a parent. Uh, if there's other parents in the room, parents, you, you will know what happens when you fall short of leading with perfect righteousness and justice in your own families, even for just 30 seconds, people get hurt. You've probably experienced that in your own family. Even just a 10-second lapse as a parent, as I lead uh, my kids, ends up with people getting hurt. So how many more people do you think get hurt when a leader of a country that has millions of people in it fails to lead with perfect justice and righteousness? A lot. And King David knows that. David knows how the poor and the powerless suffer when the king fails even for just a moment to rule with perfect justice and righteousness. He's seen it in his own life. And so he prays this kind of desperate prayer for his son for something better as he takes the throne. He prays that he would rule with God's perfect justice and righteousness. It's the hope of a king who's seen the pain that his own um, rule has caused. But sadly, Solomon doesn't. He doesn't lead with perfect justice and righteousness. There were lots of ways where Solomon... Uh, was a really successful and good king, but there was tons of ways that he wasn't, and people got hurt. It's really easy for us to see the impact in our world of what happens when people don't lead with perfect justice and righteousness, and it's often society's weakest and most vulnerable people that really get hurt in that process. We see examples of it in the news David saw it at work in his own life, and so he prays this prayer for Solomon as he gets to rule, that he would rule with justice and righteousness. But he doesn't. He fails. And David's prayer for Solomon, it kind of goes unanswered. It's probably not that hard to imagine. I mean, it is pretty hard to find a leader that would ever rule with perfect justice and righteousness. There's no way I could do it. There's times where I fail to lead my own family with perfect justice and righteousness. I fail to lead my own congregation in the mornings at St. Matthew's with perfect justice and righteousness. So there's no way I could ever think that I could lead a country with perfect justice and righteousness. And it's that kind of realisation, I think, that caused that artist at the start to paint that drawing called The Loop. It's no real surprise that David's prayer for Solomon goes unanswered. 
And for Israel, that wheel keeps turning. King after king fails to live up to David's prayer in Psalm 72. So why don't we just pause there and just play a game? Let's play the game where we imagine what it would look like if David's prayer for Solomon to govern with perfect justice and righteousness actually got answered for Solomon. Imagine what that would have meant for Israel's society, for the poor, for the needy, for the vulnerable. What would it have meant for corruption and oppression? Just imagine what the society would look like. It's there for you in verse 3. Pick it up from verse 3 for me. Verse 3, May the mountains bring prosperity to the people, the hills the fruit of righteousness. May he defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. May he crush the oppressor. Verse 6, May he be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and prosperity abound till the moon is no more. Imagine if this prayer got answered. Imagine if Solomon did rule with perfect justice and righteousness. Imagine what their society would have looked like. Imagine that and then imagine you don't live in Israel. Imagine that you're one of the neighbouring countries. Imagine looking over the border into Israel And seeing Solomon lead with God's perfect justice and righteousness, seeing the poor protected, the guilty not excused, the land prosperous. Now, as you look over the border from your own country into Israel, what thoughts do you reckon pop into your head? I reckon before too long, you start to think the words of verse 8 to 11. I think he couldn't help but want that kind of perfect rule to spread. And so after David prays for Solomon to lead with perfect justice and righteousness, he also prays that that rule would extend worldwide in verse 8 to 11. Look at verse 8. May he rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May the desert tribes bow before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of distant shores Bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Seba present him gifts. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. Now, the places that David mentions in that list Tarshish, Sheba, Seba, they are the edges of the world map as far as David knows. And so he's effectively saying, May Solomon's rule of perfect justice and righteousness spread worldwide. And I think if Solomon did rule with God's perfect justice and righteousness, that's what you'd end up wanting. You would want his rule to expand. Let me give you a real-life example of this. Uh, Do you know who that is? Yeah, that's uh, that's the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. Uh, The internet totally loves this guy. They really love him. You know, I read an article this week entitled uh, 10 Reasons Why the World Loves the Canadian Prime Minister. Uh, 10 Reasons Why. Can you guess what reason number one was? Uh, That wasn't reason number one. Uh, Let me tell you what reason number one was. I find this so interesting. Reason number one was he opened Canada's doors to 25,000 refugees and he met them at the airport to hand out winter coats. That's reason number one. There's ten reasons, not all of them are great reasons, but that was the most influential one. So this article is suggesting that the reason why the world loves the Canadian Prime Minister 
was his justice and his righteousness. His protection of the poor and needy. The very thing that David prays for Solomon. It was a kind of interesting article, but I have to admit, the most interesting thing was not in the article itself. The most interesting thing was all the comments down the bottom. You know where all the trolls hang out? Uh, And the most interesting comments of all of them came from Americans. Uh, People who lived south of the border of Canada. Uh, Comments like this. I I can't do an American accent, so I'll just read it. Uh, Comments like this. I never thought I'd say this, but I'm heading north to live in Canada. Or, Or how about this one? This one comes from someone who's clearly very unhappy about their own political situation in America. Ooh, I hope Justin marches south and invades us. (laughs) If you want to take that sentiment and put it into the words of Psalm 72, you get verse 8 to 11, don't you? May he rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Verse 10. May the kings of Tarshish and of distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Seba present him gifts. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. Uh, Now, I'm not holding up the Canadian Prime Minister as the perfect leader. Uh, I'm not doing that at all. What, What I'm trying to show you is that if people see a leader in which they sense a character of justice and righteousness, they instinctively want that kind of rule to spread and maybe even include them. Which is why after David prays for King Solomon to be endowed with God's justice and righteousness, he prays the words of verse 8 through to 11, that he may rule from sea to sea, that his rule might extend worldwide. But, again, the prayer goes unanswered. Solomon's rule did expand. Israel's kingdom actually really increased under Solomon. But its borders never reached the scope of David's prayer. David's prayer for a worldwide rule of perfect justice and righteousness goes unanswered again. Okay, so this is what we've seen so far in Psalm 72. David prays two things. He prays for the next king, Solomon, as he's coming up, that he might rule with perfect justice and righteousness. And it kind of goes unanswered. He also prays that that rule might extend to all countries and all people. And again, it kind of goes unanswered. Let's play the imagination game again. Why don't you imagine for a moment that both of those prayers get answered in Solomon. So God answers the first prayer. Solomon leads with perfect justice and righteousness. And secondly, Solomon's rule extends all around the world. So this rule of perfect justice and righteousness extends globally. And justice and righteousness spread to every single person. Just imagine that for a moment. The next 40 years would be the most amazing 40 years that the world history has ever seen. Poverty solved, oppressors brought to justice, hunger eradicated, corruption completely removed. Prosperity and fairness is the new world order. 40 of the most amazing years that the world has ever seen. And then Solomon dies. And the wheel turns and the next leader is raised up and he's nothing like Solomon. Corruption begins to return. Injustice starts to happen again. 
poverty, which hasn't been seen for 40 years, starts to appear once more. So even if God answered David's first two prayers for ruling with perfect justice and righteousness and for that to go worldwide, even if those two prayers get answered, Solomon will still die, the wheel will turn, and then who knows what kind of leader you'll get. So can you see why? The next thing that David prays for is for an everlasting rule. Look at verse 5. May he endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon, through all generations. Look down to verse 15. Long may he live. May gold from Sheba be given him. May people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. Look at verse 17. May his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. Uh, Now, we're reading poetry, right? So Psalms are poetry. So David's not expecting God to to actually have Solomon live uh, forever. It's a poetic way of asking that Solomon might reign for a long time, which is exactly what you would want Solomon to do if he managed to rule with perfect justice and righteousness. So that's Psalm 72. As David approaches the end of his life, he prays for Solomon as he takes the throne and he prays three things, that he would rule with God's perfect justice and righteousness, that that would extend worldwide and that it would last forever. That's the heartbeat of Psalm 72 and David's prayer. So how do we apply it? Well, I think the first application is probably pretty obvious. I think the first application for us to think through is to pray for our leaders. That's what Psalm 72 is. It's David praying for the next leader of the nation. Uh, And I think it's no surprise for us as Christians to feel like uh, one of our applications should be to pray for our leaders. That's what Paul encourages us to do in 1 Timothy. You, You heard it read in our service tonight. I urge you, 1 Timothy chapter 2, First of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Psalm 72 is like David doing that. But reading Psalm 72 this week did make me ask some questions of myself. It made me ask, how often do I actually pray for my leaders? If over a month I took a catalogue of all of my prayers, how often do I pray for my political leaders? Or are my prayers entirely about me, my family, my church and my friends? Well, try asking that same question a different way. Maybe ask it this way. Which of these uh, do I do more? Do I pray for my political leaders more or do I ridicule them in social media and in conversations more? Which one of those two, as a Christian, do I do more of? As Christian, we're called to pray for our leaders and for the sakes of those that they govern. Now, you might be thinking, oh, yeah, I'm not sure I like the idea of cataloguing my prayers over a month and seeing how often I might pray for them. Uh, I'm convinced, though, that that should change. I should pray more for political leaders in our country and around the world, but... But even if I wanted to, I don't know what to start praying. I don't understand politics. 
legislation confuses me. I have no idea what I should pray. Well, why not pray some of the words of Psalm 72? Endow the leader with your justice, O God. May he judge people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. May he defend the afflicted amongst the people and save the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. Now, it needs to be said at this point, not all the words of Psalm 72 are going to apply to our political leaders. These words are about the King of Israel, the King of God's people. Even if you voted for our current government, none of you think that Malcolm Turnbull is the Messiah. So there are things in Psalm 72 that just aren't going to apply that way. But there are certainly plenty of words in Psalm 72 that it gives you to pray for our government if you actually just don't know how to pray politically. So I think that's the first application of Psalm 72. I think it does encourage us to pray for our leaders. But oh dear, if you you walk out of here tonight and that's the only application that you leave here with, then I have totally set you up for failure. Because if your only application of Psalm 72 is to pray for your leaders, I don't think you'll ever keep it up. Can you see why? It's because of this piece of artwork. See, if your only application of Psalm 72 is to leave here and to pray for our leaders, then you'll start to do that by uh, by praying for our current leaders. But they're going to let you down. At some point, they won't rule in perfect justice and righteousness. They're human. They're broken like I am and like you are. They'll fail to lead in perfect justice and righteousness. And when that happens, people will be hurt. Your prayer will not be answered. They might be moved on and voted out. The wheel will turn. The next leader will come up. And you'll faithfully apply Psalm 72 and you'll start praying for that new leader but they'll let you down. They're human, just like I am and just like you are. And therefore, they'll fail to rule with perfect justice and righteousness. People will be hurt. Your prayer won't be answered. Eventually, the wheel will turn and the next leader will rise. And with a little less gusto this time, you'll start praying for them in application of Psalm 72. But they'll let you down too. They're human. They'll fail. Your prayer won't be answered. The wheel will turn again. The next leader will come. You'll struggle to pray for them because you feel like you're on the loop of unanswered prayer. And so if you walk away from Psalm 72 this evening and your only application that you've got is to pray for our leaders, that endless loop will eventually discourage you, will disappoint you, as every leader eventually fails at some point to lead with perfect justice and righteousness. And do you see, I don't think you'll ever keep praying for our leaders when you feel like that. I mean, why would you? The wheel will just keep turning, there's no perfect ruler in sight, and we are stuck in a loop of unanswered prayer. Psalm 72 will never be answered. Or will it? You've seen this coming, I'm sure. But... This is where Psalm 72 changes for us as Christians because Psalm 72, it captures David's idealistic prayer for his son Solomon's rule. And of course, Solomon doesn't leave it up to it. Neither does Solomon's son. Neither does the grandson. 
Neither does the great-grandson. And this wheel just keeps turning and turning. Every generation from King David, with no king ever living up to Psalm 72, until many rotations of the wheel later, many generations later, we get to Jesus, the Messiah, the true king of God's people Israel. And Jesus fulfills the prayer of Psalm 72 perfectly. Did he rule and lead with perfect justice and righteousness? Yeah, that's a tick. He did. Never acted out of selfish ambition. Considered others above his own needs. Never turned a blind eye to evil, even when it was institutionalised and powerful. Look at David's description of ruling with perfect justice and righteousness in verse 12 to 13. Is this not a perfect picture of the Lord Jesus? Verse 12. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He'll take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. It's precisely what the Lord Jesus did on a massive scale. Not by sitting comfortably on a throne but by hanging painfully on a cross to deliver the afflicted, to save the needy from death by sacrificing his own life. Now that's a leader with perfect justice and righteousness. Look at the next thing that David prays for. Worldwide rule. After Jesus' death, he rose to life and ascended to heaven saying, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Now he sits at God's right hand in heaven where he reigns over the whole world. Now there's a great many nations that don't bow the knee or recognise his rule. But there will come a day when Jesus returns and brings his kingdom. And on that day, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And he will reign in perfect justice and righteousness over the whole world. Jesus fulfills David's prayer for that perfect rule to be worldwide. And, of course, it's everlasting. The third thing David prays for is that this perfect worldwide rule would never end. And that can only be fulfilled in Jesus. His kingdom shall have no end. We will always have imperfect leaders here in earth, on earth, because all humans are broken. All humans are sinful. I can't lead even my own family with perfect justice and righteousness. And when I do, people get hurt. What makes me think I or anyone else could actually lead our country or our world? Unless it's Jesus. We have some great leaders in Australia. But as great as some of them are, they are broken human beings. No one can ever lead in perfect justice and righteousness. We are stuck in what that Polish artist would call the loop. I think if I was to ever meet that artist, I would say to him, hey, thanks for that drawing. That's one of those pieces of art that for some reason has just stuck in my mind for years and years since first seeing it. But I want you to know that loop is ending. For there is coming a day when the world will be ruled by God's King Jesus. And he will rule in perfect justice and righteousness. It will be worldwide And it will be everlasting. So I think the second application for us as we close is for us to put our hope in the coming rule of Jesus. Because in the coming reign of Christ, 
that loop ends. You know, before I was a minister, I worked in the city for about uh, 10 years. And uh, in the city, there is always people um, gathering support for some worthy cause. They're either collecting money to fight a good fight, or they're getting people to sign petitions to support good causes, or protect the poor, or protect the environment, or something. I saw them every day for a decade. Do you know, I will never see them again in the kingdom of our Lord Jesus. There'll be no need for people to rally to any cause like that. Because in the coming kingdom of our Lord Jesus, poverty will be no more. Oppression, oppressing will be ended. Hunger will be eradicated. Corruption completely removed. And prosperity and fairness will abound for all. And sin and its devastating effects will be washed away in the blood of the king. May God speed the day that the loop ends and Jesus reigns. But in the meantime, Christians, I have two applications for you. Pray hard for our leaders and fix your eyes on the coming reign of the Lord Jesus. Amen.